that because wasn't none of that off. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. All right, girl. So, all right, everyone. Welcome back. Now, as you know, we are discussing the coronavirus on today's show and are exploring not only how we should look at this issue from a faith perspective, but how to take care of our mental health during these difficult times. And to discuss this very heavy topic, I wanted to bring in a heavy hitter, pun intended. Oh, yes, we have my girl, Fahisha Hassan, on the line. And when I say she's my girl, it's because her personality just makes sure you feel like you've known her forever. You're going to see exactly what I'm talking about in a minute. But I must say, this woman is pretty remarkable. She is the executive director of Movement in Faith, a project of the Transform Network. She's a powerful public speaker, social justice trainer, minister. She's an assistant professor and department chair of applied psychology at Memphis Center for Urban and Theological Studies, where she's working to integrate mental health in faith communities. Girl, you do it all. <laughs> the most. I just got to stay doing the most. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you, and I welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. I am deeply, deeply humbled and moved. And I was trying to contain my laughter when you were like, and then, because I was like, let me not interrupt. But that was hilarious. And, and I, I do, I'm, I'm grateful, I'm grateful to be in this space and grateful to have connected with you. And just know you can't get rid of me with the social distancing. Like we family now. So that's it. There you go. And that's mm-hmm. that, you know, and that's how we have to look at it with what's going on. Because as you all know, we're talking about this serious virus going on, and this is a conversation that I, I know is so important to have because we've never seen anything like this before. This is unprecedented. And obviously, I, I brought you on a show, this particular show, for a reason, because not only do you have a background in psychology, but you also have a background where you specialize in mental health and crisis. And do you think it's safe to say we're in a crisis right now? I would be fairly clear to say that we're in a crisis, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's not, it wouldn't have to reach too far. <laughs> right, right. So, so my first question for you is, over the past several weeks, what have you noticed through the lens of a mental health professional that has happened in light of this coronavirus pandemic? Ooh, I will attempt to give a condensed version. Uh, I'm going to say from, from a, a mental health standpoint, a couple of things, right? So we, you, you kind of get that response, just like your bodily response to, and like, if this even happened, if there was something that a crisis that was happening physically in front of you, you have a certain amount of reaction time that your body is conditioned to, to be able to give. So, you know, your brain senses that you are in danger it's going to send out endorphins it's going to send out adrenaline cortisol like all kinds of things so that you can have this fight or flight response right and so that's what that's what happened initially but how do you deal when that is over time and so some people's their fight or flight kicked right in (laughs) so what we're also witnessing is the differences in when that happens so you have some people that were immediately like oh I'm going to lock myself down. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to set this up for my family. I'm going to take these precautions. This is what's going to happen. And then you have institutional responses that have been different. Then you have individual responses that have been different. And then even for the people who have finally grasped and been able to give themselves over to a response, but now they're having to sustain 
to sustain a fight or flight response. So that is now set into a different level of anxiousness, a different level of worry. And now a really good article actually came out, uh, several at this point, but about grief, the grief that people are experiencing. Uh, but it's not just the grief of, the grief of that people are dying right now, right? Um, that's real. The grief of having to care for folks that are in that are in um, that have COVID nineteen, but also this grief of loss, this grief grief of loss of of flexibility in your own motion to be able to move around. We have students no longer in class, people not going to be able to have graduations of all ages, right? Of all levels of education, no proms, no. Just think about all the things that people are losing. Uh, access to go just get exactly what you want to eat, which is what we're typically, I say that loosely, able to do in America. So there's just a great loss of control, a huge loss of control, and then a grief about what we're losing. We're losing our, our way of life, right? And so this is hitting people in different places. And if you already have disturbances, and by disturbances, I mean, you're already, you were already dealing with something then this is now doubled and coupled and it's more it's more than a person can bear it, mm -hmm. it has become more than we can bear and so we're trying to figure out what to do and think about folks who are responsible not just for themselves but responsible for other folk so they either have children or parents or communities uh, i know that's one of the situations that i kind of feel that i am in i don't have any children myself but I do do um, community organizing and uh, advocacy, activism uh, type of, of work. And so I feel responsible uh, to be part of like resistance effort and movement. So I feel responsible for lots of folk while I at the, at the same time feel responsible for myself. Mm. So people are going through, people are really going through and they're having to watch it played out on the news, watch it played out in their homes, watch it played out they have to get updates on everything because, again, they can't control it. Right, right. And it, it could be overwhelming when you're talking about how we have to stay informed. I was thinking about how I felt just a week ago when things really started to sound very serious. And I was scrolling through social media and you could not go one post without seeing something on the coronavirus. And it was actually giving me some anxiety. And I said, oh, I need to step away from this because this is overwhelming. But stimulation. Oh, it's overstimulation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that creates fear. And so I noticed, though, when scrolling through social media, that it was so much division that I was seeing around this issue, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the faith community. So I, I want to have you talk about that for a second, because two things in particular I noticed is that there was some fear shaming, in quote, I'll, I'll say, where individuals were really talking badly in, in a judgmental tone about individuals who uh, demonstrated that they were fearful because of this virus and in saying it in a way as if those people don't have enough faith, right? So they're, they're shaming them because they feel fear in this moment. And then I also noticed that the church, especially it seems like pastoral leaders are very divided in reference to how this situation should be handled. Some are, are irate about the idea of being um, having to close church services for I don't know how many Sundays at this point this is going to look like and some are like you know what it's okay you know we'll do online we need to make sure that people are safe and so I just want to have a little dialogue with you about this division that we're seeing right now 
Yeah, and so I think the division part obviously is going to be how we communicate it, right? But I think I think that the individual emotions are people are just doing the best they can. They're making they're making the the decisions in the best way they know how, right? And so people are fearful. And and in some cases, rightly so. Fear is is a, is a God given emotion. <laughs> this is not separate or divorced from God. So it is okay that we we feel fear, and just like anger and love and anything else that we go through, it's what we do with that emotion. And so yeah, and the same thing happens, you know, with the with the stigma related to mental health. That if you express that you have some type of mental health, anything where the you know it doesn't anxiety, depression, run the gamut of what those things are, then it is pitted against and made to be, you have a faith issue. So not just a human condition, but a faith issue. And that's where, uh, you know, ba bum bum I take issue, right? right. <laughs> Is because we, we are, we are, we are the created, right? So we, we are image bearers. We are made in the image. We are humans. So we're going to have human conditions. And to deny that someone can have a human condition is to say that they only have a faith issue when it comes to a human condition. And so, so yes, pastors are making these decisions on whether what is best to do back to that responsibility. They're responsible for these people. They're responsible for their, their flock. They're, they're responsible for their congregants. Uh, they're responsible for their spirituality, their spiritual life, their spiritual health, their spiritual growth, but they're also responsible for their physical health and their physical uh, condition. And so people are, are doing the best they can. We, we just have, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and we just had a huge mega church uh, confirmed today that the, the head pastor uh, is, 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 was diagnosed positive for COVID-19. And that like 12, at least a dozen people on staff have now had to be quarantined because of that, be because of both the, the continuing to have church or that they recorded church in a way that they were still together and, and, and sent it out virtually. And so, but I don't, I don't think that, I think that people are making the best decisions that they can with the information that they have in the moment. And I think that there needs to be a lot more a lot more compassion around people doing their best and, a, and, and definitely a lot less of acting in the fear, the irrational aspects of acting in the fear and so hyper-spiritualizing it that they make it a faith issue, right? So like what, what the, if, if there's a faith issue, the faith is how do we, how do we seek God in this moment? That, that's the faith, that's the faith issue. And, and being that we are all very different image bearers. We're gonna all seek God in these ways, and how do we support each other in doing that and figure out what that can look like? I know I, I, I wanted to say one last thing about that part was part of the fear, um, not necessarily you know the online social media uh, jargon, but for when folks are now making decisions, part of these interactions that we're seeing is because individual decisions are now impacting everyone. <laughs> right and and I the reason I paused is because now was not accurate individual decisions have always mm. impacted everyone but we are in this moment in a season of being reminded it, a direct reminder a direct accountability in a way we have not experienced in our lifetime 
uh, in this way, in a, in a virus way, that the individual decisions we, we make impact everyone. And we have largely bought into this rugged Western individualism, right? Where what, the, the, what we do is, is how we feel and that's it. And it doesn't have to matter how it impacts everyone else. And we are needing to return to um, a communal, a tribal, a, a, a togetherness version of what it looks like to make decisions. And so that fear is coming up, and but people don't realize that it's because it's a paradigm shift, right? Um, but yeah, so the, the faith is not, the faith is not totally what's in question. The faith is in these decision-making, and it's, it's sad that people are being shamed in this way for expressing that they're having a human condition. It's, it's not okay. No, that's a, that's so good. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like there's so many people who I've talked to who said they, they feel bad for being fearful. They feel like they don't have enough faith in the situation. So I hope that if that's you, you heard that message loud and clear, but when you were describing how we're connected, that's something that reminder has hit us all in the face. We're not just connected in this country. We're connected globally with this issue here. And our response, whether it's us choosing to buy up all the toilet paper in the store and hoard, or us choosing to be careless with our hygiene, all has an effect on someone else. Uh, but I also believe um, some of this in terms of the hoarding is because of the fight or flight that you were mentioning earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we get people to a place where or and I was like, how we get people? We can't control people, but if there someone's listening to this right now, what are some good reminders to at least get us to a place where we're not operating out of that fight or flight mode? Mm -hmm. And for different people, that's going to feel different, right? So I I am comforted by planning and lists. <laughs> so if I Feel, if I feel overwhelmed or overstimulated and I look at my calendar in the morning or the night before and there's just so much to do on it, I don't know what to do. It's going to help me to make a plan and write out that plan, stick to the plan, execute the plan because I am comforted that I'm going through steps that are available to me, right? And so that, that can really help people. Um, other folks are going to be more comforted in in that communal approach like reaching out to other people and 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 saying that they need support that they need support they don't know what to do and you need to figure out who your tribe is in this moment and who you can be that vulnerable and transparent with and who is going to hold you in that place uh, i do that too by the way mm -hmm. yep so multi-tiered approach here <laughs> mm -hmm. um and to not operate in the fear where some of the individual work is going to come is, is how do we care for our, ourselves in this moment. But that care, again, is an individual care, but can still be done in a communal way, right? So there are, at this point, you know, we've seen celebrities and organizations and nonprofits and companies and all kinds of people. They have, they have made offerings so available. There are yoga apps that you can now download for free. Uh, because of because of COVID-19, they're having like rolling all day concerts uh, that celebrities are giving. So the arts is coming out in really, really strong ways to support people. That is a go-to for me, a playlist. Listen, I got a playlist ready. <laughs> 
I, I'm, I'm serious about this thing. I got a playlist let out. I got my I got my gospel music playlist. I got my hashtag mood. That's what it's called playlist. Uh, and then we did make a we did make you know to to make a light to 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 bring together. I did a post a Facebook post about you know what's our Corona apocalypse playlist. <laughs> and so and so everybody you know lots of people uh, brought in songs that bring them joy or bring them lightness. But at the same time, they did like songs that were a little bit of a spin on it, like Prince. You know what I mean? Like, but Billy Beloveds, we are gathered here today, right? Like so <laughs> to talk about this thing called life. And so, so, so that was that was a beautiful way for folks to come together and make a playlist. But so, so music can comfort me. Uh, so you need we we need to figure out what those things are, and and they're so readily available to us. You can still go outside and take a walk. You can schedule that. Uh, it, we we are we are already largely deficient of vitamins that come from outside. <laughs> So it's actually going to be really important. We don't notice how much we're going to have that even more. So I'm concerned about that. As part of our human condition, we're going to be just grossly out of whack with the vitamins that God has predetermined that we need, has made us this way. So people still need to go outside, right? Uh, we still need to have human contact. It just has to look different. So the human contact may be virtual. It may be scheduled phone calls. Sit on the phone if it's a landline. It doesn't have to be Zoom, right? So we 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 need to we need to be proactive in a way to figure out what will help us, and then reactive in a way that as if things don't help us, what what does our individual crisis maybe look like? Because that's what's happening. We have we have crises within crises within crises because you have you have COVID nineteen that is the crisis. But then you have how do we respond and react to it? That's a crisis. And then you have folks who don't have access to the resources that they need, even if they had a plan type of crisis. And then we have people who are dying crisis. And then churches, back to our beloved faith communities, are having to decide how to or not to have funerals that are part of our comfort, that is part of our grieving process that we go through to be able to get through the despair that um, a, a loss of a heartbeat can bring. So there are, there are just a lot of layers and pieces to this and we can't pretend that any of those pieces are not paramount and don't matter. So to spend time, to spend time berating a person for having fear in any of these valid places, their fear, concern, anxiety, stress, worry, grief, they're valid. They are, they are super valid and they're valid in a multitude of layers and ways. And so let's spend time lifting each other, holding each other in that space. And so if, if you want to approach that in solely a faith way, pray for them, pray with them, but not praying that they just help their unbelief, right? <laughs> but praying that maybe they get the access to resources. So that can be a comfort area that they need. Pray that they are, are, are able to stay connected with their loved ones and find new community because that's a comfort place that they need. And so these, these are gonna be the ways. Um, I'm part of a community that is gathering together led uh, by a wonderful, wonderful uh, clinician. And she's putting together resources for folks to be able to reach out and say, I need emotional support through this, through this time. And also mobilizing clinicians and, and folks to volunteer or sign up to be able to provide that in a, in a, in a you know, 
across the state's global way. And so there are so many initiatives that are happening and coming and, and our people are, are making available. But you gotta reach and, and just, just keep reaching, uh, keep reaching. And, and when things feel hopeless, figure out for, for you what brings you hope. And that, it, it, and more than likely, because I just laid out, it's a crisis within a crisis within a crisis within a crisis within a crisis. That that answer may not be one thing, and that's why, uh, that's why just naming it as faith is irresponsible, and it's it's not compassionate, and uh, it's it's disingenuous to how big our God is. Mm. Oh man, you hit on so many things there, but it's very true. People needed to hear that. So I thank you for that perspective. And I just wanted to ask a question. This is on behalf of our extroverts out there. Woo -woo, that's are, us. Woo -woo, woo -woo. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you extrovert or introvert? I'm an introvert all day. I could, oh, I'm listen. just like, this is my time to shine in terms of being in the house, but that is not for some of my other, you know, brothers and sisters out there. I totally need a cape that's got a big E on it. Like <laughs> Can you tell she's an extrovert, y'all? She's over here just lying all across the screen right now. But let me, let me ask on behalf of our extroverts out there, are those individuals who their love language is touch? And mm -hmm. like and touch right now is taboo. You can barely even look somebody in the eye right now going to the grocery store. So mm -hmm. what are some practical things um, that you can recommend for them during this difficult time? Mm -hmm. So again, this is where we're gonna get, get really creative, right? And what I'm probably gonna say here is get really creative and maybe you don't share with everybody what is working for you again find your tribe find your trusted people who will hold you in the space that you are in and let them hold that creativity and you don't have to tell the rest of the world how you are figuring this out right and so one of those ways is is there are aspects of meditation that is really really helpful and and the reason i bring that up is um ironically faith folks or mainstream i'm gonna say mainstream black church let me be real clear mainstream black church uh, it is not um, conditioned or exposed to meditation in a way that feels accessible to their faith tradition. And so a lot of things are being demonized. I think, uh, you know, I, I was joking and talking with you the other day about uh, folks saying that sage, uh, burning sage was demonic mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of other hot mess things. And so, I mean, we, we're, we're talking about a virus that it can live on surfaces and is in the air and and what could be what could be better in this moment than burning some sage which actually has communicative properties of cleansing the air like proven by science mm -hmm. right, that these things do this uh and and not just some aspect of witchcraft devil worship whatever <laughs> ridiculousness that they are ascribing ascribing it to and so, so meditation, which a word is used in the Bible, but we gloss over it. We say by prayer and supplication, prayer and meditation, and, and we don't know what that means, right? Uh, but, but there are ways that you can return to your body, is what I'm going to say. So I'm going to use some nuanced language, and I, would, I, can, I can provide, if it's helpful, some, some links or something to you that you can give out to your folks. But... But the return, returning to your body means returning to an awareness of your body. So e even if you, even if, if, so love touches completely my love language, but I can be just as touched 
in ways by a text message and, and, and connection. The connection may have to be the touch as opposed to the tactile touching of, of a person to person. And so, but in, in meditation, you can return to your body, become more aware. Because we, we do all kind of moving and we don't halfway notice our body until something doesn't work, right? So if our back hurts, then all of a sudden we, we totally get how the back and the core and the things work together. You know, my neck, my back, like we get, <laughs> we get it when something hurts. If a wrist hurts, if an elbow, a joint, a knee, anything goes out of whack, this is our body's way of sending us a signal that this is an area that needs care, right? But what if we did proactive paying attention to our bodies and return to our bodies in a way that, I mean, we, we, we are touching ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, and that can be really helpful, even though it sounds way out there. I promise it's helpful. Uh, and in doing so, so they're just, they're, just, they're just deep meditative ways that you can do that. Uh, and then, like I said, as an alternative, figure out what else can touch you, figure out how else you can be held in this moment. So if you have, you know, someone, if you have like a, a, a loved one, an intimate partner, a, some, you know, some, a, you know, a bae, whatever, but you can't be around them. Like, how do you say it's going to be really important that we are intentional to have a good morning or a good night or a check-in throughout the day? What, what can that look like? Uh, same thing with your family, intentional ways that you can't, listen, I, I, I feel like I can smell my grandma from outside when I pull up in the driveway. You know what I mean? Like my grandmother just has this presence and the smell and just brings everything back, all these memories back to me. So I can't run full steam ahead and, and jump and, and hug my grandmother in this moment. But what can a grandma's hug look like right now? How, how can I make how can I make a connection possible with her in a way that I feel held and she feels held? That's good. And so that's the new question. That's the new question. And so we're going to need to seek that out in, in this time and in these ways. Uh, uh, listen, go back to letter writing, write it down. Now you can't really all the way mail it at the moment, but write some things down, whether that's journaling, whether you'll ever be able to send it or not, just depending on what that looks like. But write some things down, like return, just the same way we got to return to our bodies and we're having to return to the phone calls or we're having to reach for new technology and innovation. Some of it is going to be in this very interesting Sankofa way, like a looking back and you're going to have to return to the way you used to do some stuff. And then you're also going to need to look forward in the way of, of new ways to do a thing. And so, yeah, ask, ask deeper questions. Get your needs met. And do not let other people's opinions hamper getting your needs met. And I don't mean caring people who love you and are like, hey, you are doing the most, right? But I mean folks who are just going to negative, try to cancel every way that you are trying to care for yourself. I appreciate that, Rahisha. That's right on point. And we're, we're winding down on time. So I want to ask... How can people get in touch with you? And you have a podcast yourself, right? Tell us a little bit. I do. I do. So it's, it's the Transform Network, uh, and it's an amazing group of progressive, progressive, excuse me, progressive Christian community. And so movement and faith is my, is my, uh, my work. And uh, Transform Network is my fiscal sponsor, and they're an amazing group of uh, group of community and folks. And so they, we do a, we do a podcast daily, uh, just during Lent for Recipients, which is a Lenten devotional for dismantling white supremacy that we've done 
three editions of 2018, 2019, and now 2020. But after Lynn is over, we do do a once once per month podcast. And clearly, the podcast is going to need to be on everything that's happening. I'm thinking about changing it to once a week, just because that's where kind of the need is. And so it, it's we'll do a variety of subjects. It's usually some form of of movement, resistance, reaching for liberation for you know black black, black, black and brown folks, melanated folks um, in different ways. But that that can be all the ways. And right now, we're all in that and what that needs to look like. But it is it is faith faith rooted, and that's the that's the work that I do. So you can reach out to me at movementinfaith.com. That's movement in like like saying move in your faith so it's movementinfaith.com and then everything else is going to be on the transform network uh, site and so that's www.transformnetwork.org and if you just hit a backslash you could do backslash podcast and it'll pull up all of the ways that the podcast is available you can do backslash bookstore and that has digital ways and paper ways that the, the book is available uh, and my email, I'll give you my direct email. It's, so it's my name, Vahisha, V-A-H-I-S-H-A, at movementinfaith.com. And I'd be happy to connect people with resources. Instagram is going to be a really good way to connect with me. On there, it's, it's spelled out as the meaning of my name, but it's Hassan life better, because that's what my name means. <laughs> Vahisha means life, and Hassan means to make things better. But if you if you find me on there in the story, I put resources all like rolling all the time. Perfect. Perfect. Well, mm-hmm. I hope you caught that. If not, I'll make sure to put that in the notes for you because yeah. you want to reach out to this wonderful woman. She has so many resources and I'll make sure to also send out some of the resources she mentioned in our email list. So uh, that's it for today's show. We appreciate you for joining us. And I hope that this breathed life into you during this very difficult time. We know we need community and we want to be here for you through Faith on the Journey. So if you haven't already, please subscribe by visiting Faith onthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. And we will catch you soon on our next episode. But until then, be blessed. Take care, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. It's your girl, your sister here, Jocelyn Jones, with another episode of Faith on the Journey. And I'm so excited to be back here with you all. It's been too long. We have not connected since the end of last year, and I just don't know what happened with time. Well, I actually do know. Life happened. Uh, It's been a crazy couple months in a in a good way, I guess you can say. I had a wonderful time at the beginning of the year in Africa. I traveled to Ghana. And when I came back, I started working on some things that I will reveal to you all in the next couple months for Faith on the Journey. And so I was working behind the scenes. And I'm also in the process of finishing up my master's in theological studies at McCormick Theological Seminary. So it's been a busy couple months. And I was preparing to relaunch this podcast and my blog in about a month. But when the coronavirus, or as we call it, the Rona, uh, hit the the country hit this world, I didn't want to wait until next month to connect with you all because we need community like 
never before. And so this episode, we are diving into what is happening right now. The fact that we are living in a world pandemic and so many of us are hurting right now. We're struggling. We have so much anxiety around this issue. I've had so many people text me just this week saying they were laid off from their job. They don't know how they're going to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. We have people who have lost loved ones already to the virus. And then we just have the fact that we are locked up in our homes. We, many of us, at least, I don't know what state you're in, but I'm coming from Illinois. We're shelter in place right now. So anyone, even if you're an introvert, could be struggling with the fact that you gotta be in your house for two weeks. That's hard. And so we don't have community at a time when we're in crisis, at least in the physical form, we have to stay apart. And that's why we have to use methods like this to connect through technology or picking up the phone or whatever you can do to make sure that you stay connected to people so we're not going through this by ourselves. I tell you, I wrote a blog post earlier this week called uh, The Flames of the Coronavirus Will Not Destroy You. And I wrote that because I wanted to encourage people understanding that there's so much fear right now with this issue. And understandably so, fear is a natural response to a crisis of this magnitude. But what is concerning me when it comes to this fear is how individuals are responding when it comes to the fear that they feel. So for example, I went to the grocery store last week to get some food and anybody who's gone grocery shopping knows it feels like it's the day before Thanksgiving. You in line forever. And I noticed that when I was shopping, people were so nervous that they wouldn't even look at you in the eyes. So I, I understand the social distancing part, but we can at least look at each other and give each other eye contact, a nod or something to say, I see you, we in this junk together, but just showing that connection there, but people are afraid. But even a step further, something that's really just upsetting to me is how some individuals have the audacity to take things out in a violent manner towards our Asian brothers and sisters. I've heard of so many hate crimes taking place against individuals who have an Asian background or descent because people are blaming them for the spread of this virus, saying that they, they're from China or whatever out of ignorance. And so that's when you start seeing you know, the character of people rise up in, in a crisis situation. And sometimes you see things that you, you don't like. And we as believers have to be vocal about that and speak out of, against that type of behavior because granted, we're afraid or we might be dealing with stressful situations and we might be dealing with loss. However, none of that gives us the excuse to treat someone else as less than human. And that does not give us the excuse to not act in love. And so we have to be mindful of that as we wrestle with our own emotions and our own fears, we cannot be divided because the reality is if you have not caught on to this yet, people, when it comes to this coronavirus, we're all connected. And this is from a global standpoint. We in this junk together. And if we really think about it, the truth is we've always been connected. What we do has an effect on someone else, but we never took the time to really think about that. And so 
even though I really, I mean, who would have wished anything like this to take place? I definitely don't want the coronavirus right now or have, have us dealing with this situation. But my point is, when stuff like this happens, even though we don't like it, I always want to take time to say, okay, what can I learn from this situation? Because although you know, the, the coronavirus can kick rocks as far as I'm concerned, what can God show me about myself? And what can God show me when it comes to my relationship with other people in this moment? Because there's certain things that I promise you, if you sit still enough, God will show you about yourself, whether it's how you behave in stressful situations, the fact that, you know, you you, you might act a little crazy or nasty in certain situations because of the fact that you are dealing with this perspective. Or you might see your faith rise up like never before. The fact that you might have lost your job or might be dealing with God knows what right now, you still have a peace showing that, okay, I, I don't like what's going on, but I'm trusting God in this. And so I just encourage everyone to really just listen and be observant of how you're walking through this moment in time. Because regardless of what's going on, one thing I do know is God is with us. And God is not, he hasn't left the building, people. He's with us right now. And so he will help bring us through this on the other side. And we will be different from this coronavirus situation. But I'm hoping different in a, a positive way, meaning our character has, has grown and we, again, see what we need to see from this moment in time so that we can move forward together. And so I wanted to continue to have this dialogue about this today, and I didn't want to do it alone. I am bringing a special guest on the line, Ms. Fahisha Hassan, who is a medical health professional, but is also an amazing woman of God. And so she's going to join me for this segment. We're going to have a very deep conversation about some practical steps that we can take to deal with the anxiety and the struggles that people are facing with the coronavirus from a faith-based perspective. So that's coming up right after this break. We'll be right back. <music> 